It's Happy Times and Places, a Doctor Who podcast where moaning is verboten. We are simply accentuating the positive of a chosen story, and I, Toby Haydock, have to guess what my guests' favourite things about their chosen story are. Hi, Toby. Uh, this is Lawrence Clark. I'm a stand-up comedian. Write, screenwriter, and playwright. And the story that I picked for your podcast is Terminus. Um, so why pick Terminus? Well, whenever you listen to people talk about the story who worked on it, they always mention the really um, frantic studio recording and the fact they ran out, ran out of time and I think that's partly because of me because on the first day of recording Monday the 11th of October 1982 I, as an eight year old kid went to watch Doctor Who being recorded, which, as you can appreciate at the time, was the most amazing thing that ever happened to me. Um, it came about because Peter Davison was recording a sitcom called Sink or Swim in Whitley Bay in the northeast which is where I grew up. And my mum tried everything to get him to come to our house. Uh, she rang Jim or Fix It, probably a lucky escape. Although uh, I did, as you know, end up on that some years later. Um, but he eventually come. He came, pulled up to our house in his Audi and spent a couple of hours talking to me and invited me to come and watch a recording and the, went away and we thought, oh, that, that's never going to happen. And then the production office wrote to us and invited me um, to watch the first day of recording on Terminus. And when it was recording, I was up in the viewing gallery uh, in the little room next door to where the producer and the vision mixer and the director sat. And in between takes, Peter Davison would run up and see if I was okay and talk to me, which probably didn't help the production schedule, um, but I have vivid memories of watching those first few scenes. Um, the scenes where Mark Strickland holds the cube talking to the Black Guardian, and the cube was hot and kept burning his hands. I remember he kept dropping it. And there's a scene with Tegan and the Doctor, a very short scene where they're running up a corridor 
Um, and that was recorded over and over and over again. Um, so, yeah. So, that's why I picked Terminus. Um, years later, what, what, when I was on a BBC acting course, um, I was at one of those drinks receptions that they always have. And I got talking to Janet Fielding um, and managed a whole conversation um, not talking about Doctor Who until right at the end when I said thank you Tegan and she then went ballistic and started shouting geek at me in front of the whole room which probably didn't help my acting career. Um, so, uh, let's crack on then with my favourite positive impossible thing for Terminus. Oh, well, what a lovely introduction from my friend uh, Lawrence Clark, a fine uh, stand-up comic, so uh, I would uh, uh, urge you to go and check out his work if you've not come across him uh, before and yes he is one of us so uh, I'm very glad uh, that he's taking part in this and I'm I'm I don't know about you but I'm very jealous of Lawrence he said uh, visiting the set of Doctor Who was up to that point the most exciting part of his life I think if I'd visited the set of Doctor Who as a kid it would still be the most exciting thing of my life and 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 he's tempered that by choosing Terminus uh, which is a story not a lot of people eulogise. And the very raison d'etre of this podcast is to accentuate the positive, which I'm now going to try to do with part one of Terminus, which I, I, I'm not going to say is going to come particularly easy for me for reasons that I will explain, and I am not a Terminus knocker. Um, but let's get into it. Uh, I'm on episode selection on the DVD. And so I'm going to press select, you press play or whatever it is you want to do in three, two, one. And we're going to enter part one of Terminus now. This is an episode I haven't seen an awful lot. Uh, Terminus was very one of the very last videos uh, I got bootleg stories I got um, because I missed all of this season apart from Ark of Infinity because I was away at school. I was sent away to boarding school, not because we had money. In fact, the opposite. Uh, my dad had gone when I was four and he was a he was a, a medical man and so a charity for bereaved doctors families we weren't actually bereaved but they bent the rules we were abandoned uh offered to send the youngest of mum's kids away to a, a local boarding school but nonetheless one that I had to stay at apart from Saturday nights uh and which meant the unthinkable happened. I missed Doctor Who. And it, nobody I knew had a video recorder, so I, I missed this. My friend Ollie had to, had to come in and explain to me. He largely told me the cliffhangers and the comings and goings of companions and who died, basically. Um, but half-term coincided with part three of Terminus. So that was the one that I sort of had a bit of experience of. So then when it came to collecting stuff and finding out about the stories, it was bottom of my list, because at least I'd have a flavour of it, whereas I'd not seen you know, Snake Dance or Mordrin or Enlightenment or King's Demons. Uh, and then when I did get this, 
Why are you not talking about what's going on on screen, Toby? Because it's Turlo being furtive in a corridor, which he is for ages in this story, um, and arguing with Tegan, which he does for ages in this story. I love Mark Strickson, by the way. That's definitely going to be a positive. Um, and the idea of the companion trying to murder the Doctor, I think, is a great uh, twist on you know what 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 we tend to have of a companion figure, and I think is one of one of the the good ideas of the show. Uh, Peter Davison sometimes I know has knocked it in interviews said, oh well, you know it meant he had to keep him apart, but that's okay. Can the Doctor and companions split up quite a lot anyway? I don't think it's the fact that Turlo wants to murder the Doctor that means Turlo and Tegan are stuck in air ducts for the majority of this story i think it's just there's not quite enough story to go around but we will see but even when i got this on video it was in the days where um you had an e180 videotape which annoyingly fits apart from season 18 and the mind robber um because they have short episodes it it fits a, a, a traditional um seven episodes of Doctor Who so you couldn't quite get two four-parters on so thank goodness for the McCoy era when that came along although um, season 24 is annoying because the two four-parters came first so you had to have something out of order um, however um, for, for, for a reason lost in the mists of time now I think I had Mordrin Undead and Terminus 2 to 4 on a on a on an e180 one had got lost in the malay and I, I assume it's from whoever i'd i'd got it from because i was dependent on uh you know drive-by doctor who drop-offs there was a very furtive uh furtive exchange thing going on i wasn't part of fandom so um I, initially oh, i was by I, by this point i'd got friends in Wolverhampton with fans anyway uh so i don't know this episode very well fast forward to doctor who coming back uh, and the week before the broadcast of Rose, I was killing time. Uh, and I thought, well, there's a few Doctors. I don't, and I'd, I'd seen Classic Who over and over and over again. Uh, and, I, and I thought, well, what are the... You know, this is, this is the last time I'm going to watch Classic Who for ages because there's new stuff to have, which is great. And I'll eventually, you know, um, be in the mood to watch... You know, I, I felt like I'd, I'd, I'd sort of done it all pretty much. I knew it all like the back of my hand. So it was Great, because I knew that I could have a bit of time off watching the new series. And then hopefully my my intrigue about uh, the classic series would would come back. But there were, there were stories I knew less well, and this was one of them. So this was the story I chose to watch to kill time before Rose was broadcast. Was it the night before? It was certainly in the week of Rose. It wasn't on the day, because on the day I watched the Armageddon Factor, and I got halfway through part two. Uh, and then my friend John came round and we watched Enemy of the World 3 and the Space Pirates 2 because he'd not seen the orphaned episodes. Um, and that was all that existed of Enemy of the World at the time. Um, but, um, and again, I'm, I'm not massively referring to what's going on on screen because I, 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 I've sort of have thought about this because I, I consider this quite a tricky, uh, a, a tricky installment to cover because... It's it's quite a lengthy opening. I mean, I think these days you just have it with a couple of furtive looks uh, uh, to, 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 to show the, the character relationships between, you know, Tegan not trusting Turlo, Turlo being up to no good. I mean, seeing as the TARDIS is infinite, it seems a bit mean to give him Adric's room. Uh, also, we've spent more time with Turlo being furtive in the TARDIS and 
uh, Tegan being a bit sulky about it than we did getting over Adric's death. I mean, it's it's interesting how the, the, the show often doesn't spend time on, you know, the regulars doing their thing in the TARDIS, and rightly so, I think. You you want to be in in the setting of the new adventure. You, uh, uh, and, and I think Andrew Cartmel was right when he, you know, really, uh, when he came in later and, and minimised the TARDIS scenes. Because my, my overriding image of a lot of these episodes is quite a lot of wandering around the TARDIS corridors and then landing on a spaceship and wandering around the corridors of that. But the Black Guardian uh, being in Doctor Who was a really uh, exciting idea for younger me because I'd not seen the Guardians and I couldn't quite imagine them. And I, I thought I'd seen a clip at the end of Legopolis, but it was very unclear because it was the... It was uh, in the negative, you know, it was that bit from the Armageddon Factor. So I still couldn't quite make out. There was something rather sort of ephemeral and, uh, and difficult to picture about the Guardians until um, I saw a picture in Doctor Who magazine uh, when Valentine Dial died of uh, of the Guardian with a, of the Black Guardian with a, the crow on his head. And I actually, as a young person, thought the idea of the Black Guardian having a black bird on on his head and the white guardian having a white one on his head were were rather nifty ideas now i i i am not so sure and yet being being somebody of the target age i liked the symbolism of that i thought that was that that was sort of apt and it it, it set them up as these kind of you know he's not going to be able to, he's not going to hang around a youth club or a bar or uh you know wander around wh smith's with a dead rook on his head dead crow on his head but can he be a, an arch manipulator of the dark forces of the universe and look like that why not is that could be a manifestation of of what they look like to us because because that's all that our you know our, our, our ocular nerve can can kind of man manifest for such, you know, huge beings of hugeness. They're the, they're the Black Guardian, the White Guardian. They're about as big as it gets. Um, and, and obviously, the, the reality is it's, it's you know, they're represented by two ancient character actors sitting down and yelling, yelling well, in one case, yelling and not in the other case, being quite plaintive. But but I, uh, I certainly like the idea of uh, grappling with forces that huge, uh, Valentine Dial has a marvelous, marvelous voice, so I'll I'll give it that. But I I I have to say when I when I watched this episode, and th that's the last time I watched this episode, gosh, was the was the lead into Rose, uh, that 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 week leading into Rose. So that's what, fifteen years ago. Um, I texted my friend Johnny Candon and said, I'm watching part one of Terminus. I think it's the worst episode of Doctor Who I've ever seen. Um, because I, I, I don't know. It seemed to me to encapsulate. And I, I, I really like the Davison era. I really like Peter Davison. I really like uh, Mark Strickson. At the time, I was absolutely in love with Nyssa. Uh, uh, that's not to say I'm not now, but I, I was really in love with her then. She was she was definitely my favourite companion, uh, and I think and I think Janet Fielding is is brilliant as as Tegan, but often the material they get wandering around the TARDIS is pretty thin, and in this case takes quite a long time. I like that design of the of the uh, the skull. I think that's a that's a great image and that's very intriguing, uh, and I I don't really know what's going on. But uh, but I, I this 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 you know that the episode seems to be 
picking up and adding some strange sort of jeopardy. Um, and 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 I have to sort of leap back in time a little bit and go. I've always I've always defended this story against its sort of bad reputation because I really like Stephen Gallagher, um, who I think's a, you know he's a proper sci-fi writer, and I think um, you know very happily and skillfully put proper sci-fi ideas into Doctor Who, which often is is not hugely sci-fi. It's got, you know, it's an adventure story where sometimes where, you know, the, 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 uh, the, 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 you know, the, the British and the Nazis or the cowboys and the Indians or, you know, the baleful forces and the heroes, you know, just happen to have silver hats and green skin, you know, it, but, 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 uh, and, and actually some of the more sci-fi, sci-fi, sci-fi Doctor Who turns me off a little bit because I'm not, uh, I'm not, particularly scientific it wasn't it wasn't a subject i was great at at school and i so I, i'll sometimes sort of nod along when doctor wrestles with scientific concepts you know when christopher bidmead comes in and goes i'm being very very clever and i'm like yeah can somebody invade earth though rather than talk about maths uh, and that's certainly how i felt as a kid you know i wanted auton i wanted autons making plastic things kill people not uh, not wandering around inside the tardis in a loop and i, I love season 18 now but I, I you know as i say as a as a kid i i, I the, the doctor who i wanted involved a bit less wandering <laughs> wandering around corridors this black Black Guardian trilogy is quite interesting because it's sort of set on three spe different spaceships, Mordrian, Terminus and Enlightenment, uh, with people walking up and down various corridors, sometimes arguing. Um, uh, 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 and the corridors, to be fair, are different. They're quite art deco, aren't they, in, uh, in uh, Mordrian Undead? These corridors are sort of grey and sad. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> and the ones in... Uh, enlightenment are opulent and strange um, and you know a sort of um, accurate rendition but with added you know strange atmosphere of of, of, of um, earth history um, but there's still a lot of that the, there is still a lot of action that pretty much is people not running through corridors but 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 walking up and down them um, I do like Mark Strickson is so good at being shifty, and that that uh, that crystal effect is 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 simple but nifty. Um, you you don't you don't have a voice like that without smoking a pipe. Uh, I don't think he did smoke a pipe. Uh, Valentine Dial. Uh, he was the man in black on the radio and the black guardian if you want to see him being good he's very nice good as in decent you know kindly he's he's excellent as dr kelderman's in secret army uh, an underrated series uh, that is on britbox which i don't have because i've got most of what's on britbox on dvd um i i don't quite i'm trying to remember the details of this i don't quite know why the door keeps disappearing and changing its design but um maybe that will become apparent i have to say there are quite a few things in stories and i watch these stories over and over as i say i could only watch episodes two to four of this over and over uh and because i got it quite late when i got it i watched it a, a, a lot and, and i used to sort of think oh if only i had episode one i'd i'd be able to fit some of the, the pieces i'm missing together and then i finally watched episode one and went actually episode one doesn't really tell us tell us anything that, that that's useful to the subsequent three episodes uh it's just the stuff i don't understand i just i don't really understand um 
and I remember my friend coming. I was I was worried Nissa was going to leave. I had a feeling. I didn't have the magazines or anything, so I I had no uh, insight. But uh, I, I was I was I was counting down down the days, especially when Turlo came. Go well if they get one new companion, they might get rid of an old one. And I I had a feeling that Nissa would go, and I was very sad about that because uh, she was definitely my favourite when I was when I was born in in seventy uh, four. So I'd have been. Uh, uh, God, uh, younger than I thought. So, so when she joined, yeah, I'd younger. God, I'd have said I would have been ten or ten, ten or eleven, but I wasn't. I was much younger. Um, the Doctor comes into this episode quite late, doesn't he? Presumably because he's sp spent spent the early part of the day talking to Lawrence. Um, I, I'm thrilled that Lawrence got to visit the set of Doctor Who. Um, good, good for him. Uh, and I and I think that would make. I mean, I this was a story that I had a slight, you know, I had a slight special bond with because I'd actually seen an episode of it from from that season. That's tragic, isn't it? That was the one thing, uh, and it was also because Doctor Who had been on a Saturday, which was the one day I went went home, uh, and, and pretty much when I started having to sleep over it uh, at a school, uh, the BBC moved it to the middle of the week. Um, it's almost like uh, uh, that. It's all about me, and not only about me, but against me as well. That was my world view, which sometimes still is, and it's one I've got to be careful of. Go, yeah, yeah. The universe centres around me, and is 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 there to spite me. That's quite a nice, slightly aerial shot from director Mary Ridge on her only Doctor Who. Um, she did some Blake Seven. She did the Blake Seven Terminal, didn't she? So she did Terminal, Terminus. Um, that's a thing you don't get in, or, or, or that I th I think about as a sort of Doctor Who thing that actually isn't a Doctor Who thing as much. Is a sort of not not great android that sort of hangs around just to be there for be there for a bit. Um, <laughs> uh, Although you know the the android the robotic colony in space has a has a plot purpose as does the one in uh, Sontaran experiment, but they're a small and not very illustrious bunch. The sort of the the silent um, service robots that that provide a bit of jeopardy, but um, because probably would have taken quite a lot of effort to make. I like the pirates. Um, you don't see them again, really. Uh, space space helmets. I think they're rather fun. Um, I never think white quite works. Um, these costumes are nice, actually. And I love the hair. I love Lisa Goddard's hair in this. Uh, I think she looks really funky. Uh, and Lisa Goddard is really interesting casting because she was, I mean, she was a well-known television face. Um, often, I mean, we saw, you know, she was sort of posh and funny. So seeing her being a bit sort of tough and space piratey, which she does well, is is uh, you know another of those examples of John Nathan Turner, yeah, doing a bit of star casting, but going, but I, you know, I'm going to give them something that they'll have fun doing, something slightly different. Uh, nobody really talks about Lisa Goddard in this. Married to Colin Baker at one point, um, uh, but I think she's rather good, and I like Dominic Gard's ponytail. Um, Dominic Gard has had uh, well he's a he's a child psychologist now isn't he but he had a uh, uh, a good career as an actor he's got very boyish looks so he played often sort of shifty youths his brother of course christopher guard is bellboy in 
uh, greatest show in the galaxy. They are they are quite a showbiz bunch because Philip Gard, their dad, uh, is the person who sampled at the end of uh, I, Am, I Am the Walrus, uh, the Beatles song. Was something they taped a bit of um, Shakespeare off the telly. Is he, is he doing Edgar from King Lear? Uh, and it's Philip Gard, uh, who was also Philip Gard, was in Robin Hood with Patrick Troughton. And the, that surviving clip of Robin Hood that we have that's on the Power of the Daleks DVD has Philip Gard in it. And Philip Gard has seen it, I hope, because I sent it to Christopher. Um, uh, uh, so reunited with his past. Um, but Dominic Gard is married to Sharon Juice, who is control in Ghostlight and Christopher Gard was married to Leslie Dunlop who is Norna in Frontios and Susan Q in the Happiness Patrol they're not married anymore he's now married to Duffy from Casualty so it's uh if only she'd been in Doctor Who they could we could have had a sort of extended family thing going on but um uh but I'm I I have to admit to being slightly perplexed by Dominic Gard in this because He's, he's a good actor. He looks right. He's in The Go-Between, the Joseph Losey film. He plays the young uh, Michael Redgrave and got plaudits for that. Uh, and he's in a film that I remember from my youth called Absolution with Richard Burton and Billy Connolly and an illustrious supporting cast and Di Bradley from Kez. Uh, and he's really good in that. Um, and I don't quite understand why, despite his best efforts... I, 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 I seem to recall struggling with him because I, I think the episode ending of episode one is brilliant on paper and would be my automatic choice uh, for, for for being the thing I like most about the episode. But I seem to recall, I mean, it was 15 years ago, last time I watched it, going, now we know, don't we? Now we know what it's all. And you go, what are you doing? Why are you doing it like that? C come on, give it a bit. It's It's one of those weird bits of acting that sort of, over the OTT and flat at the same time, which which is a skill, but it's I'm not sure it's one that anybody should have. Um, and as I say, it, 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 it's, it's intriguing, isn't it, how good actors can sometimes, for some reason, the elemental forces uh, work against them. And it's a shame because I think he looks he looks good. I was dissing white costumes before. I actually quite like these white costumes, but I I, I'm auto I I usually take a step back from them. I'm not a great fan of the ones in Ark in Space or the or the 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 ones that the scientists have in Genesis of the Daleks. I don't know why I don't respond. I think I prefer dark and rusty to clinical and clinical and white. Although this is quite a dark and rusty story, and um, <laughs> and uh, no. no no, nobody loves it ah now i like that now you see that's a simple trick isn't it uh you know bandaged bloody hands slightly gnarled with a bit of mucky makeup on uh and it's just the human hand but wrapping itself around uh your companion uh is is a, is a startling alarming image in the silence and it's just you know it's just a few extras with, with a few rags on but i think that's really effective that's nice jeopardy um he's got such, he's got a lovely shifty quality mark strix and i think he's brilliant as turlo um do like that skull i, d I don't know what that, why that door does that am i being thick I don't know. um and i love i really like stephen gallagher i love warriors gate um uh so as i say i've always sort of because because people used to 
slag off Terminus something rotten. I go, no, no, it's doing something interesting. I, I, I do sort of admire Doctor Who when it when it goes, we're going to do something that isn't an invasion. We're going to do something that that plays with a few ideas and and you know they've cre it's created its own setup with the veneer and what it is that they're up to and uh, uh, you know it's a, a, a story about um, a, a company being too lazy to cure ill people, which is a you know I think a, 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 a really interesting setup for a Doctor Who story that then somehow ends up being about the Big Bang as well. Um, now, I think Martin Muncaster here is credited as Tannoy Voice. And I know that Tannoy complained because they that they are the company. A Tannoy is a bit like Hoover. Um, a, a vacuum, a Hoover is a vacuum cleaner. Hoover is the make. Uh, a speaker is a speaker. A Tannoy is a kind of speaker or communication. Um, if I was Tannoy, I'd have just gone, thanks very much for advertising our product and suggesting that Tannoy still exists far into the future i suppose they they could be saying yeah but you're also saying we would uh, allow ourselves to be used on a plague ship uh, where people aren't looked after properly i think you're looking too far into it tannoy i don't think they look that far into it i think oh yeah odd odd to complain rather than go yeah cheers um but you can tell that that's just some git in an office can't you who's in charge of be who's, who's in charge of being petty you know uh, 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 petty department did you see doctor who last night yes i don't know i didn't what is it uh oh well they they mentioned us oh did they sounds like a job for me i shall write a letter of complaint forthwith you meet those sorts of people who you, I've, I've quite often as a freelancer when you meet people who work for companies whose sole job is just to be a bit obstructive and a bit of an ass and you go this is why i'm a freelancer so i never have to meet people like you you still do of course uh, and then you have to remind yourself that they get a regular wage and a pension and will probably uh, have a happy retirement while you'll still be scrabbling for attention love and indeed money um so it's 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 a momentary victory until reality creeps in look at this film suddenly it gets gorgeous and the entire film allocation is spent in the ventilation shafts what's he doing see how, how is he doing this oh is it yeah how do I feel about that? I, I think that the, the last bit is better than that. And I was talking through it because I'd invented a man from the Petty Department of, of um, Officeville. But I think it's the now we know, don't we? Now we know what it's all about. That just seems to me to be slightly un, underpowered and yet too much. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a mystery wrecked in an enigma um, presented in a not very good performance. Um, but I, I like the names as well. Olvia is a good name. Um, uh and and he does have to say we're all going to die for quite a long time, doesn't he? Anyway, um, well, I, I mean, I sort of girded myself to fill that out a little bit. Apologies, everybody, with a little bit of my backstory um, and a few things that were, you know, unique to me about how I encountered Terminus. Um, but I, I, I did feel I wasn't going to have an awful lot to say about certainly the first sort of 10 minutes in in the tardis um apart from you know the, the the rather curious thing of going we're in the biggest spaceship in the world uh you know that friend of ours that we're still sad about let's chuck all of his stuff in the bin to 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 fit in this to to to, to house this shifty character who's going to have absolutely no um 
uh, qualms about just going, yeah, I'm going to get rid of this. Um, and, and then the fact that Tegan is just a bit sulky about it. No, you know, uh, it's it's it all sort of pays lip service to, to, to drama that I think you would do so differently these days. You'd you'd have faith in your characters to go, well, Turlo will at least be slightly more aware that, you know, something has happened here and that it's an emotional wrench. And Tegan will be slightly more than tutty about the fact that, <laughs> that they're gonna, he's basically going to burn any memories they have of poor old Adric. Um, but I'm here to accentuate the positive. Uh, I, I do like the look of the pirates. I love Lisa Goddard's hair. I think that's a nice piece of casting. I, d I do like Mark Strickson um, uh, as Turlow. Um, I, d I do like the whole setup of the story is that it is, is daring to be something a little bit uh, different um, and you know it's 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 a shame that the previous story or the next story involve lots of wandering around different kinds of spaceship because they seem to be sort of stuck in that sort of rut for the for for, for this period which is a shame because i think if you you know if you bunged it in the middle of um uh another doctor's era i think you go okay this is a bit strange and a nicely sort of dark does it does it manage to go beyond depressing to dark you know does it does it go beyond being a gloomy drizzly day into being thunderstorms i'm let's see let's see because we're getting some new characters in the next episode but uh that you know there's still stuff there i'm intrigued by the setup i like the fact that they had to take evasive action and the tardis you know that the, the door with the skull which i really like appeared and Nis nissa had to go through it i think that's i think that's on paper terrifying uh it wasn't quite uh, uh pulled off as, as terrifyingly as i suspect it was imagined um i you know i you go, oh, we're on a leper shipper. That's in interesting. Um, and you know, how's it going to treat disease? And and I and, and we we you know we were I was taught in RE about um, you know leper colonies. Uh, I remember. Well, let's talk about that uh, in future episodes because I'm sure I'm going to have things to say uh, about that. But what I think is it going to be the skull on the door? I do like that skull on the door materializing thing. And this having to go through the door. And I did like the very simple menace of the hands wrapping themselves around Tegan. Doctor Who doing a really simple thing. Bunch of extras. Hands. Peril. Scary. That's an image. That's an image if you're a kid you take away with you. I'm going to go with a skull door, I think. I'm going to go. I, I, I'm intrigued by that. It's a nice design. Uh, and, it, and it brings us into the story. And it's something a bit different. And it's ominous. It's ominous. Uh, or do I like the hands? Skull and door. Skull and door. I don't think he's going to choose either of those things. What has Lawrence chosen about episode one? So, part one. I think my favourite thing is Lisa Goddard's space helmet. Because it looks like... It's been moulded around the head. It's, she's got this head that comes out at the side. And if you look at the space helmet, it's like it's been vacuum formed around the head, um, which is just amazing. I also love the fact that Egan thinks that Crowbar 
It's called a pry bar. Some Australian thing could be, I don't know. I also did think that Nessus Lisa spent all of her spare time synthesizing an enzyme for fun. Um, yeah, yeah, I was just fly by in the TARDIS. Um, <laughs> yes, they do. I do. I do. It is quite quaint, isn't it? The things that they have the companions doing in the TARDIS. Uh, oh, I, I mean, I, on another day, I would have chosen Lisa Goddard's space helmet, but I'm, I, I, I thought that would have been damning it with faint praise. <laughs> um, but I do seem to recall Nielsen's gun in Warriors of the Deep was one of the things that we chose, wasn't it? Um, uh, Okay, I'll accept that. And also, I'm quite excited because Lawrence chose sort of three quite disparate things and didn't really tie them together. And I, I, I reckon if he does that with every episode, I've got, I've, I've that increases my chances of uh, me, me and me and him having the same thing. Um, so uh, maybe Terminus could be a winner for me. Uh, I don't know. Um, well, look, that that was the difficult first episode because it, it, it the, the plot kicks in a bit here uh, from here on in we meet some other characters and and i've seen these episodes a bit more so uh, i i definitely did pad that out a bit with some sort of domestic stuff with just just me the regular uh, the regular cast member of this podcast um uh, taking quite a long time to, to fill you in with a little bit of backstory which which is sort of appropriate actually considering what happened in the episode so i'm 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 reflecting what went on 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 screen um uh but i think you know now now the story kicks in now we know don't we now we know what it's all about so hopefully uh there will be there will be more fun to be had uh in the subsequent episodes of terminus thank you for joining me and uh, my good friend Lawrence Clark, an excellent comic. Do check him out, um, if only to uh, interrogate him about the day that he visited the set of Terminus, the lucky fella. Um, okay. Well, for, from a happy time and place of Lawrence's childhood into hopefully a happy time and place for you listening to this, which is now about to come to an end. It's about to terminate. And I've done about four different exit lines there and then kept on talking. This is why I hate me uh, uh, more even than I struggle with episode one of Terminus, which is now ending. Stop talking. Well, welcome everybody to the second instalment of Terminus, which, as you've heard, has been chosen by the comedian Lawrence Clark, who was lucky enough to be loitering around on set and treated very well by the sounds of it by Doctor Who himself, Peter Davison. Uh, and so uh, if, if you read the history uh, of the story, is perhaps the only person to have emerged from the recording uh, of uh, Terminus with many happy memories. Uh, but let's see, it's always been a story I've kind of felt the need to stick up for because people people aren't terribly kind about it and I think it's got some interesting things going on although anybody that heard part one of this installment of Happy Times and Places might go but Toby you you didn't have an awful lot that was nice to say about part one but part one is it takes a while to get round to being about Terminus that's why 
Um, but anyway, um, let's see what we let's see how we do with part two uh, when uh, the plot arrives. Uh, so I'm paused between episodes one and two on my DVD, and I'm going to press play in three, two, one. Uh, oh, and I get a chance to. Oh, no, I'm not. Uh, so I am. <laughs> I am. Now I might forget to edit this because I don't listen to. So uh, uh, I actually wasn't paused between parts one and two. Uh, I am on episode selection, and I'm going to press enter on part two in three, two, one. Uh, so I actually I do get a chance to uh, to view again uh, Dominic Guards. Uh, now we know, don't we? Now we know what it's all about, which I think is a lovely script-wise is a lovely is a lovely uh, end of episode where you suddenly go, oh heck! So this is why this is why this ship is sort of abandoned. Uh, and as I say, it 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 brings with it a lot of. Um, imagery and 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 fear and sort of biblical fear because because when i did as i said when i did re there were stories of leper colonies and lepers feature quite quite prominently don't they in the in sort of miraculous cures and things like that so there's something sort of ancient uh, about them and 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 biblical which always gives you know a sense of grandeur but also a sense of you know when I, you're learning about it you sort of go oh, well thank goodness we've wiped that out and don't have that anymore so to suddenly have it in the future in space that's a nice you know that's a that's a nice conglomeration of of fears um yeah now we don't yeah it um but I, I i do like the fact that you've got the doctor and co sort of on the move while this is happening it just gives a bit of a bit of energy and drive to it but now, now they're sort of trapped against the wall so it's it's the cliffhanger for the doctor even though it's olvia doing the speaking that's that's quite cleverly uh, um sort of told in a sense the visual grammar to, to still have the doctor the focus of it uh Although again, they, they you know they're they're, they're clambering from one s s small. It's, it's not just corridors. There are a few staircases in this story as well. So okay, we've got the arrival of a new spaceship, um, and and terminus seems to be this sort of scaffolding in space, which is which is quite novel. Um, yeah, we like Lisa Goddard's hair. Um, uh, so yeah, I, re I remember the, the learning about. Uh, lep lepers in 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 Arian, and there was the, there was this guy who'd been canonized he became a saint uh and and, and I, it's a story that always stuck with me where you know he was working to help uh, a leper colony and and, and treat people uh, and he accidentally poured boiling water on his foot uh, and and when he didn't feel anything he realized that oh i have it too and that always stuck me that moment of realization where you know it's i suspect he probably you know saw coming but but in that moment where you go oh okay that's me i'm gonna die uh and perfectly avoidably because because the the reason he was in harm's way is because he's put himself there to to help people but of course there's the there's the slight there's the there's the idea that the diseased people are stigmatized i know there was a little bit of controversy about that when this this story went out um that you know but but i 
I, I don't think there's a cruelty about it. I think, as I say, it's invoking because there are, there are, are still parts of the world where it's an issue. But I think, uh, um, I, I, you know, I, I see it more as invoking the biblical rather than reflecting anything that's going on in deprived parts of the world. So I don't think, you know, uh, I, 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 I don't think it's being, and uh, you know, I don't think I, I could see why, um, you know, people with a uh, and a special uh, interest in wanting the awareness of of the condition to be correct would object. I absolutely understand that, but uh, um, I can also understand why they felt it was okay to have it in the story. And I, I you know, um, these film sequences look so good, don't they? Um, uh, it's just such a shame that they are this beautiful quality gloriously lit you know you can see the reflection of the grills against the wall uh this this you know high end looking stuff is for stuff the story could really do without uh which is essentially sidelining tegan and turlo in the middle two episodes oh and you see that's you know nissa nissa has the disease that's the moment isn't it that's the pouring the 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 boiling water on the foot but it's it's telling us the viewer oh no you know and and so you know the companion in peril how is she going to get out of this especially as we soon learn that the uh the the, the way that uh, the lazar disease is cured is pretty hit and miss and mostly miss that's a nice image of of dominic guard you know hiding in the shadows ashamed uh i think that's very human uh and i like it brilliant shot of a ladder in some feet yeah this is worth the really expensive film stock uh, and the attention to detail of the beautiful lighting <laughs> i i now i'd always thought that 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 tolo sort of kept kept his his school jacket on i i rather like this uh this waistcoat that he's got on i i, I think the first thing you'd do though wouldn't you you'd get rid of your tie um that's the the costuming thing isn't it no we uh, we have to know it's turlo because he still dresses as a schoolboy. whereas of course everybody who's a school who goes to school and wears a school uniform knows is the first thing you do when you get the opportunity uh, when you're wearing a school uniform is to get out of your school uniform but i suppose that's going ah look he's so alien he even likes his school uniform ah <laughs> oh, this is very sweet um and I love his boots. I, I think we get a good shot of them uh, later. I seem to recall there's lots of shots of feet going down steps in this story. I don't know why. Oh, yes. What, what do you remember of Doctor Who? Oh, I remember the monsters coming out of the sea. Oh, I remember the alien with the one eye and the squiggly face. Oh, I remember hands coming out of the earth. I remember lots of shots of metal staircases <laughs> with, with feet walking down them. Um... And yeah, and I like I I like the backstory of they supposedly offer a cure. Yeah, so so who so if if nobody ever comes back, what I I don't quite know what's going on. Do you send them there anyway in the just the, in the hope that seems a bit it seems a bit odd to get away with that level of customer service. Who are you? We're the people that cure the Lazars. How many have you cured? Precisely none. Well, we'll send you our lasers anyway. I, th I, th I think. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert on capitalist economies, um, but I think, you know, 
uh, capitalism succeeds where there is a gap in the market and somebody, uh, some entrepreneur dives in. And I, 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 it wasn't the somebody hanging around the centre of the known universe that went, you know, you know, the only people, the people who've got the monopoly on laser cure uh, are currently not curing any lasers. I mean, if we just cured three, uh, I think I, I, we'll offer a discount. You know, we'll we'll cure we'll cure at least one one of your fifty lazars or your money back. Uh, that's still better than what's what's being offered at the moment. Uh, but this is this is me who, not having seen this story for a while. So maybe I've I've missed something important. But I do seem to recall because when I got and again the veneer costume on film looks absolutely fantastic and the red of that cloak and the armor there it's Arak, isn't it because he's got the red cloak on looks absolutely magnificent uh, over that grill and with the film film camera underneath and, and capturing it on that you know on that film stock and for the rest of it the rest of its time on screen it's clattery and on videotape <laughs> and here is another actor martin potter who a bit like Dominic Gard was a beautiful young man. Martin Potter was in Satyricon, wasn't he? Um, uh, uh, you know, had a, had a couple of uh, sort of moments in the spotlight. Well, he did a Robin Hood as well, didn't he, that George Galaccio did. Um, but you, you expect those actors to sort of shine and be beautiful and then sort of retire, um, you know, because they never, they, 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 they never again could, you know, recapture their beautiful youth. So they were, and, and uh, Fellini no longer returned their calls or, or whatever, you know. Um, uh, so they went and, you know, lived somewhere romantic and wrote poetry and somehow lived as these, these successful these actors who have these brief flickering careers somehow manage to spend the rest of their lives being fine whereas most of us even if we're fairly regularly employed still need another job in three weeks or we die of starvation um but but martin potter sort of had that but then is is still around and has an agent enough to sort of be available to play a supporting part in a doctor who story and you think that's that that's that's the sort of that's that's a really curious hybrid of a career now definitely gonna and i don't know if it will be for this episode but peter benson as boar i think is is probably the best thing about the whole story uh it's a wonderful idiosyncratic performance and of course this is way before he became well known for playing bernie scripps in heartbeat but he was still a known actor he'd, he'd i think he's isn't he he's in he's in one of he's in the henry's of uh, the bbc shakespeare and he's in black adder uh, of course um uh, a really interesting actor with a sort of slightly quizzical hauntedness about him. Uh, uh, he's um, he's sort of slightly cadaverous and yet sort of benign. He's like a friendly corpse. Um, lovely actor. I once had lunch with him. I was doing a Shakespeare in the park, and uh, the the actors were. Uh, sorry, this is a Eric Saywood script edited story, so the character dynamics have to be people hating each other and rowing. So uh, Valgard and Arak basically <laughs> spend the whole thing yelling at each other. Valgard, of course, is played by Andrew Burt, who is uh, wonderful in Blake Seven, The Harvest of Kairos, as uh, whatever he's called, um, uh, 
sexist garage mechanic man, uh, whatever he is, he's, he's, uh, he calls, calls Servalan woman, doesn't he? And she kisses her roughly. And she goes, that primitive thing you subjected me to, I'd like you to do it again because I'm a lady and I like, I'm a sexy space lady and I like being dominated by bits of rough. And that's what uh, Andrew Burt was. He was also the first j- uh, Jack Sugden in Emmerdale Farm. Uh, he then went away and was uh, uh, and, and went and played Gulliver in Gulliver's Travels. Did lots of BBC stuff. Had a very very good career, Andrew Burt. And then latterly was sort of popping up in Alan Partridgey type things, but then became I think like um, Dominic Gard is a child psychologist he became a psychologist psych- psychologist in in london um he he emailed me out of the blue he put, he put something on my website when rodney bennett the director of mask of mandragora and ark in space and santaran experiment died because rodney had directed uh, andrew in some stuff and and he said oh uh, you know and, and we had a little bit of a back and forth and uh, and i said oh it's it's nice because i you know i know you work but he 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 i think he never wanted to be interviewed about his acting because he'd put it all behind him which is odd because unlike a lot of people he'd had you know quite a lot of relatively recent credits now i didn't ask him for an interview because i'd already been told that he was reluctant to engage and but he said he'd be he'd be he looked forward to meeting me at rodney's uh memorial service which i never eventually made it to and i said i'm so- sorry i'm not gonna be able to meet you there and he said oh it'll be lovely to meet you one day and i thought oh well that'd be good so you know maybe uh, convene a meeting and then you know once somebody's realized that you're you're actually all right you know you can then say well can can you do one interview uh and i was you know i, I was on my sort of list of things to address at some point and then then uh Andrew Burt uh, died. I was quite surprised. He, he 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 passed away the same year that Peter Benson Bohr passed away, and the same year that John Waller, the fight director of Terminus, passed away. It was a, two or three years ago. Now it was a bad year for for Terminus. The famous moment of Nissa removing her dress. I'd read about this. Uh, in Doctor Who magazine and it was sort of talked of and, and Sarah Sutton was asked about it in interviews and the way it was reported at the time you, uh, you would think it was the filthiest thing imaginable it, it is still quite a an, uh, an odd thing I I mean uh, I, I suppose she's removing her skirt because she's quite hot I suppose and she's got this petticoat thing underneath it is it is quite an, an odd moment um but it was certainly talked about an awful lot. Um, I don't. I don't have an awful lot to say about it. What? It's quite static, isn't it? And poor old Dominic Gar's just having to sort of stand there and slightly look away. That's just, that's just, well. Well, a very slow robot makes somebody in a petticoat amble away, crying at him plaintively. Um, yes, quite static. Um, I do like the sort of makeup on the 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 veneer. Martin Potter. Uh, looks a bit like Dracula, doesn't he? He could have, he would have been a good Dracula, actually. He's got that sort of, uh, sort of haunted, dead youth thing about him. Um, I, th- I think Andrew Burt's a, a, a lovely actor, anyway. A very nice, gruff uh, actor that that brings realism to to everything he does. But ev- everyone's a bit. It's a hard sell, though, isn't it? And this Tim Munro playing Sigurd. Uh, is one of the bandits in Creature from the Pit. So his Doctor Who career straddles Creature from the Pit and Terminus. Uh, still about, he was an episode of Casualty, or Holby City, directed by Steve Hughes, who directed uh, um, uh, 
the the one in the department store with James Corden. Um, that, that's ne- closing time. Um, and I remember saying, Steve, oh, you cast Tim Munro, who's he was in some Doctor Who's. Because um, I met Steve Hughes at a convention. Um, uh, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I sort of like the, the dour thing about, you know, this is... This is downbeat and a bit depressing. Is uh, is uh, you know I can I can see what they're going for, but it's quite a hard sell for the drama in something that's already set in a grey spaceship, um, where there's lots of people who are ill, um, and then the people who are looking after the ill people are all a bit miserable and hate each other. The people who live in the TARDIS are suspicious of each other and hate each other. Um, uh, uh, Dom- Dominic guards a space pirate who's really sad um, so you're sort of aching to get Peter Davison and Lisa Goddard back into it and and the strange man with the moustache uh, Peter Benson uh, who's not in this episode again I think now. oh and of course um, they they live some, they, they have they're, are they addicted to this drug is that what it is or it's the, it's the thing that it's the bittersweet taste of life thanks uh, uh it's, it's also the lighting equipment from the planet frontios it's basically uh somebody invented some luminous gel and people who made science fiction for the bbc went well it's that looks quite futuristic even though you can now get it in shops um uh, yeah, poor, that's that's a hard thing to ask an actor to do yes andrew what you have to do is you have to t- completely drop your guard and look really closely at that thumb and she's then going to slightly shove you <laughs> and your armor is going to clatter because it's actually made of plastic uh but i you know i can see what they're going for with the veneer costumes which are a nice design uh very sort of skeletal um again if that if this if this was sort of all on film and shadowy uh it would be Oh, it would be ominous. I think we have a close-up of a wall here, don't we? Yeah. Let's not follow the lift down. Let's make the camera go up and look and close in on the wall. Oh, some stairs. Ah, uh, oh, boot shot, boot porn. I love these boots. That's great. Uh, I th- they are sexy boots. I like boots. Um, I like wearing boots. I'm not tall or elegant enough to carry them off, but there's something empowering about having quite high boots. Although now at my age, I've been wearing compression socks uh, to jog with. And, and getting those off is a production number. I'm sp- I wish I could sort of do it in stages. Well, I sort of do. I roll them down, and then I then I bend forward, then I point them around the ankle, and then I need a rest. So um, I, I I know that uh, boots may look kinky. Boots may may uh, yeah. It's all very well being kinky, but actually the practicality of getting them on and off is no kinky matter. Uh, it's 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 quite a laborious exercise that frankly leaves you too puffed out to be remotely kinky uh, betwixt uh, addition and removal um yeah so uh, i don't know what bore's off to do he said the reading's still climbing so there's um i have to confess i don't really know what's happens in terminus particularly um uh well, I mean, I, I've, as I said, you know, I've probably seen it a good... What's the average I've seen a Doctor Who story? What's the average you've seen a Doctor Who story? I would say, I've, you know, I've seen this a good 10 to 15 times, which is probably the... It's amongst the least that I've seen a, a classic Doctor Who story. Certainly one of my least watched, but I would still say, you know, that number's 
you know, numbers, probably between 8 and 12, maybe. Um, the Garm. I, now, I rather like the Garm. I, I, the red eyes don't work. Somebody's gone, let's make it look alive, and we can't have eyes that open or close. We can't have practical eyes, so bung a couple of bulbs in because that makes it look alive. But it also makes it look a bit, bit phony. But I, 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 I... I think having a giant dog thing is is okay, and he's quite sweet. Um, played by an R.J. Bell, I saw in uh, the the he's in the Green Man, playing a sort of an American academic, and I think he was American or Canadian. The actor who plays the the Garm. Um, so so yeah, so poor old. N oh, that's because Nissa's cut her thumb, hasn't she? So she's she's dripping blood. Um, which means that the Doctor and Kari have to follow her around the corridor. Um, um, so, um, yes, am I? And, I? and and this is this is quite sort of intelligent plotting in the sense that you know it, it's it's a, it's this medical facility where, of course, you would sterilise the place before carrying out any procedures so that that adds to a little bit of of jeopardy um the the, the leper colony iconography is but again it's quite to, to to add to the arguing viking people skeletal skeleton viking tired vampire guards and then you've got the sort of sack sack wearing um ill people uh <laughs> and the sad space pirate um you're, you you are that's a nice nicely lit there though actually um but there there are a lot of corridors and ventilation shafts in this uh this period of uh, of doc 2 that's nice i like a i like a a, a a a descending door that people have to to uh sort of dive underneath and that's a nice change in lighting state there's not an awful lot of time spent the doctor hasn't actually had an awful lot to do and you sort of think you know Davison is a great strength of his era and I wonder if there's there's not enough oomph in this episode so far because actually Davison is very good at corridor acting because he'll go the wrong way or he'll can you know he'll 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 give it a bit of thought before nearly heading in one direction and heading in the other or he'll give it a bit of speed as he as he leaves the scene and comes into it and he's got that breathlessness and you know he's he's worth his weight in gold uh, actually, Peter Davison, but but he's not been able to do much of that. I don't know if it's, they've been told not to move too quickly, lest the lest the set fall to bits. Um, uh, but but I can you know you can see the aesthetic that they're going for, which is grim and doom laden and sort of murky and sweaty and grimy and diseased, and that could you, you know I I think you could see this story being done now and 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 really working and being uh, especially you you could tighten it up a bit so it's 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 not necessarily an ill thought out uh vibe to go for um i i i just think it, it it's they they yeah they 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 aren't quite they aren't quite pulling it off i'm supposed to be accentuating the positive i don't i don't mind it I, as i say i like I like the story idea. I think it's novel. I, I I like all of the things that they're going for. I just wish they'd had a bit more success, maybe tying it all together. Because because the you know a lot of the ingredients are absolutely right. 
um, the, the you know the veneer as I say look great they look even better on film which has a veneer um, and they're all played by good actors uh, and and I you know I'm intrigued by this setup what you know what is the company doing what what you know what what's the story behind the the curing of the of of the the lazar disease and this this sort of setup that they have um now i i remember this of course because this is the first bit of this i saw because it's the recap uh for in episode three which i of course saw which was so exciting i loved half term uh i feel i've been a bit hard on terminus whilst whilst i i I think i needed to acknowledge it you know early on i you know i i i enjoy this episode i i i I, i'm sucked into it i find it uh i find the dynamic interesting i find the setup very interesting i'm just i'm just trying to account maybe for why you know no i nobody seems to truly love terminus and so i have to acknowledge that and sort of look look for reasons and uh i think i found quite a few remy ad farazin is a is a fine and uh a uh, uh, very accomplished uh, film cameraman um all these names uh alec wheel and scott talbot d robson jones stribling uh, i mean these these are names i committed to memory as a youngster uh Right, so I think didn't Dick Coles do Underworld as well? Oh my God! So I think I think Tim Monroe's going. I was in Creature from the Pit, and this Dick Coles is going. It's nothing, mate. I had to design Underworld and this. <laughs> um, so, what's my favourite thing about episode two? Would it be Would it be wrong to say Olvia's? boots would that be bad uh i mean i'm gonna throw peter benson in there but he's only in one scene in that episode uh and he and he gets his great stuff to do later but my worry is that lawrence will choose him now which means that i can't choose him later there's a bit of there's a lot of tactics in this but i think i don't see how lawrence can choose peter benson and bore this early uh I do like the look of Martin Potter as well. I do like the fact that he is a... He, he does look like he could be in a sort of 70s vampire film directed by an Italian... You know, a 70s version of Dracula d- d- directed by an Italian film director who, you know, who not only wanted his vampires to be beautiful, but he thought his Dracula was especially beautiful and so he would film him in a bath. Um, I've just created a whole film there um and i like i'm just lo- always liked andrew burt as an actor um and I, I i everyone hates his episode of blake seven as well and I, I i think it's glorious and i think he's glorious in it um uh but um dominic guard's boots am i gonna go for am i gonna be facetious I did like that shot of the boots. And as I say, one of my main memories of this story is feet going down steps. Uh, I don't care. I'm going to go. He he chose, Lawrence chose Lisa Goddard's helmet last week. I'm choosing Dominic Gard's boots. Uh, <laughs> that's my favourite thing for episode two.
What's Lawrence Clark's favourite thing for episode two of Terminus? And he might choose three. And if one of those is the boots, I'm having the point. So, part two then. And <laughs> we're both going to get the same one, aren't we? Because part the highlight of part two has to be Nissa taking off her skirt for no apparent reason other than she feels a little bit hot. Um, uh, and then the doctor readily recognises the plain grey skirt, which could be anyone, but he instantly knows that's Nissa's. I also love the fact that Nissa handily wears an underskirt. The only other person I know that wears an underskirt is my mum. Um, but then maybe, maybe I haven't been paying enough attention to what what women wear <laughs> under their skirts. Um, do, do people wear under skirts anymore? Um, oh, as also this service and amazing acting at being dragged off by the drone robot. Um, yeah, you got to love that. Um, I. I wouldn't call. I call. I think they were called petticoats. People wore petticoats when I was younger. I, am I from the Victorian times? But petticoats were a thing. Um, I, I'm not sure if people wore them under mini skirts, um, which is what Nissa's wearing. But I mean, it's a good job she was because you wouldn't you wouldn't have her wandering around in her pants. Um, I suppose I should have thought to choose that because it is a it is a momentous moment. It's probably the most talked about thing about terminus and i did try to discuss it in the episode but i'm i'm slightly perplexed by it because i it's it's is is it there did because the way it's sort of discussed afterwards is like oh it's that moment but you go but they didn't go we need a moment here where nissa takes her skirt off so i suspect it probably just came a bit organically did it where they went oh nissa t takes off a piece of her clothing but it it just seems it just seems odd which you know which was the chicken and which was the egg uh, uh, and, and the fact that it then gained so much traction afterwards i just think it's a slightly bizarre and perplexing moment and i'm you know i'm i'm because uh, it's not it's not a it's not a sexy moment is it because pretty much what she's wearing underneath is the same length and covers up the same amount of her as what she takes off so i find that a bit odd if people go oh, oh crikey she's removed a layer to show another layer that's a slightly different color underneath so i yeah i'm i'm perplexed by the skirt removing moment i suppose you had to be there and by the time i got to see it i'd already you know had it built up as this great big talking point and i just saw it and went oh is that it okay well okay it's just the same as her taking a jacket off really just just a bit lower down um but it is it is the the most famous part of the episode somehow it's managed to overshadow olivia's boots um but look there's plenty in that i think it's intriguing i think it's original um i think it's its intent is 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 good to do something different with the doctor who format i think for the forces are working against it and so that makes me sort of side with it a little bit because sometimes when you try and do something a little bit different 
um, or try and stretch the format of Doctor Who, it really pays off. And sometimes things just don't work in your favour, but that's not necessarily your fault. Uh, and as I say, I'm a big fan of Stephen Gallagher. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for Mary Ridge. It's her only Doctor Who, and she's dead. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I wanted to have slightly more of a legacy than we had to start shooting it live which i think happens at some point doesn't it with terminus uh they they pretty much did it as live before the lights went off at 10 o'clock um which probably was more frantic and had more pace than the story itself anyway i'm it's you know i'd still i'd still be entertained watching it of a sunday afternoon you know if i didn't have to talk through it which i know takes a little bit away f from it um i you know I've certainly had pleasant times, as I say. I only really had parts two to four, um, but but that's but so I find part one a, a slightly undiscovered country and a little bit of an interesting curio, and I like the fact there are parts of Doctor Who that are still like that for me. So yeah, I, it's all right, Terminus. I'm rooting for you. I'm 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 hoping you. It starts to come together for you, um, and that will hopefully happen in part three, which was the episode. I got to see it half term. So for a very long while, part three of this alongside Arc of Infinity were the only bits of season 20 I saw, which uh, resulted in the being a great hole in the centre of my universe. But uh, fortunately, I live in a happier time and place now, and I hope uh, that these blatherings of mine find you in one too. Well, hello everybody. It's uh, part three of Terminus, or for me as a youngster, it's half term, so I get to see the only episode of Doctor Who, bar Arc of Infinity, which was on before the school term started. Uh, of this year, it seems unthinkable now, but we didn't have a video. We only had, at this stage, a black and white portable television. I know I seem so young, and yet I'm from the old times. Um, uh, and yes, um, young people, not only did you have to actually watch television when the programme was on or you were in trouble, uh, uh, some of us uh, uh, watched programmes that were made in colour in black and white because uh, the black and white TVs and indeed the licence for black and white TV was much cheaper. I know I sound like I'm from good stock, don't I? But we were skint as a... We were as... Uh, as as bro, we had we had a lower budget than Doctor Who, had a lower household budget than than Doctor Who's. Uh, uh, well, in the case of Terminus, Terminus's budget for metal armor. Um, well, look, enough of my. Hey, we I were brought up in a in a in a shed with nought to eat and only black and white TV. Uh, enough of that. Let us watch part three of Terminus. I'm gonna press uh, enter. I am on. I'm on the uh, episode selection menu, uh, so I'm going to press enter on part three in three, two, one, and I'm I'm a go. So um, oh, and I need to turn it. It has actually started, so don't be alarmed. I've just um, you can't you can't hear it in the background because I had it on mute. There we go. Peter Davison's face has appeared with a uh, a a what's it a Venetian blind effect. 
Uh, and here we are, the neon logo, Sid Sutton's title sequence. Oh, I was so excited to be back from school watching this. My friend Ollie had sort of told me. He didn't tell me everything that happened in the episodes, really. He just basically told me what the cliffhangers were, because that's what I asked for. Um, and, and if anyone died. Um, so, yeah, the first thing I saw was this. And I, I remember I remember this. I remember watching this and thinking, this is... So this is the first I'd seen of Turlow, although I'd, you know, I'd heard heard about this this new guy um i've cheated a little bit well i haven't cheated i've i've watched the making of documentary um uh on the dvd because my my partner's not very well so she'll occasionally fall asleep on the sofa and i can't podcast next to what could be a corpse uh so uh uh but i, and I really wanted to do this um so i watched the documentary um by brendan shepherd who i don't know i've never met uh and it's narrated by Floella Benjamin, and it's a it's a really good piece. It's sort of it's very much sort of nuts and bolts, but it explains the story. It's got Steve Gallagher on, who's very eloquent uh, about what he wanted to do with the story. I do like Steve Gallagher; he's a nice bloke, and he's an intelligent writer who's ambitious with his sci-fi concepts. Um, and it t- sort of talks about the. I think the really clever thing it does is because Mary Ridge, the director, is not there to defend herself they have an advocate in the form of fiona cumming another doctor who director but who who knew mary ridge and, and so sort of sometimes postulates how she felt mary would have thought under certain circumstances and i think that's a perfectly legitimate thing to do when when i think a lot of the failings of this in in a sort of production history of it seem to um you know seem to be attributed to the fact that Mary Ridge had studio days and, and hours and things taken off her and suddenly had to improvise off the hoof and this was done, you know, with a curtailed schedule. Um, so, so, and I think that with with the absence, with you know, without her her to there for advocate for herself, having Fiona coming there was good and, and also good to see Scott Talbot and Alec Wheel, studio sound and senior cameraman, names you see on a lot of credits, uh, interviewed... Uh, uh, and Alec Wheel, I think, really should have been on more of the of the DVDs because he was such a key figure. Sadly, died a couple of years ago. Um, anyway, uh, so I'm sort of I'm immersed in Terminus, and I'm I'm as I say, the only sort of issue I have with it is is the is the sort of how static it is, you know, uh, and that does seem to be a, to do a lot with the the staging, I because you. You know, forty-two, for example, is set on a on a spaceship heading to disaster. But you know, there's there's heat and there's you know there's the shaking and there's everyone's really sort of tense uh, uh, and there's just sort of energy about it. That's Graham Harper, isn't it, directing? Um, uh, and I and I you know I I I do uh, think that. You know Stephen Gallagher having the concepts of you know let's in let's invoke the Big Bang and let's have these uh, you know the you know the veneer who are forced to do what they do and let's you know and how we deal with something like a disease you know especially during these times of of COVID but you know uh, 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 with with the enemy being yes an, an illness uh, and I know it's not leprosy but you know Lazar disease plays with the you know it's, it very much invokes the the idea and it's leprosy in all but name isn't it and uh, and, and that's got a, a you know that's got an historical basis f- f- for us uh, and 
you know, it's something that we have an angle on because we can understand it, but it's not something you see particularly in Doctor Who. She, I, I always think she sounds slightly brummy. I don't know much about Rachel Weaver, who plays Inga, but she sort of goes, I'd rather think we're going to die. Uh, but I don't know if that's brummy or glum because uh, there's 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 not much between the two. I'm sorry, my brummy friends. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I, the, my nearest city is Wolverhampton, so the 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 the, the Midlands, the West Midlands, is is you know is my world, and I have a lot of very good friends uh, who speak uh, in that accent. Uh, what my friend John Warburton, the comedian, calls the uh, linguistic equivalent of lazy eye, which I always thought was terribly funny. Uh, and I say that with affection because I've got, lo- I got lo- loads of friends who talk like that. Um, uh, and Andrew Burt has to do a lot of, I seem to recall, has to do a lot of being slightly pushed and then having to act like he's been really hurt. Uh, and... And they they're very eloquent in the in the documentary about because uh, I, I hadn't realised that uh, the, the costume designer D Robson had uh, had had not been a favourite of John Nathan Turner. Uh, reading between the lines of the memo he sent, it's a sort of it's a personality clash. But but there were problems with this veneer armour, especially when the guy that made it was told late in the day, oh they have to fight in it as well. So and you and and the poor old sound designer talks about the fact that. There's sort of it does clatter somewhat. Uh, I actually think it's a it's a nice design uh, because they're slightly skeletal, but it is reminiscent of sort of brass um, etchings. You know those sort of knights uh, uh, in 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 brass etchings, and and and, and the colour helps with that as well. Um, he is like a sexy sad vampire. Uh, is uh, is Martin Potter. He's interviewed on the documentary and he says one thing. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a, you have to do a particular sort of acting to play these sorts of characters. And I quite like the idea. I quite, he invests that with, a, he quite enjoys the fact that, uh, that Valgard hates him. Uh, you know, ever and I, and that's that's quite an interesting dynamic that all of these, all of the veneer are, you know, they're just staying alive, but it's it's not much of a life. They are a bit like vampires in a way. They, you know, they 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 feed off this particular substance, um, and to keep themselves alive just for the sake of being alive, but they don't seem to enjoy life very much. The radiation's too strong for them. Um, oh, and it's Nissa's final story, of course, as well, which um, I suppose we've been building up to with her doing her experiment at the at the at the at the top. Yes, uh, I, <laughs> I don't quite recognise your voice, but um, they obviously don't talk to each other that much. I was thinking about this and this Andrew android the, the the robot the medical robot i know what they're going for here because there's a medical robot in star wars that that has sort of spindly arms and lots of different attachments so oh yes he's, he no he noticed that he was ah so i've 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 done the story a disservice there he noticed that it was an intruder good okay well done uh now that's the sort of thing i would have been annoyed that somebody at home did where they go ah, oh, and you go well if you'd stop talking you'd actually realize that he has noticed that um 
but um, I have to talk during this, otherwise you'll just be listening to the episode. Um, uh, but the, yes, the medical robot, when when you can do it on film and each and, and you know have proper little pistons and gears, those spindly arms and the different attachments can seem like a very efficient sort of medical robot, like the one in The Empire Strikes Back. And I had a toy of that, the medical droid. Um, and that's what they're going for. It's just they have to make it on a BBC budget, and uh, uh, and 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 so it probably needs bigger mechanisms that are cheaper than you know slender ones and all sorts of. And it's not shot on film, and you know, cardboard painted silver on film. That's not what they would have had in Empire Strikes Back, but it would still look better than than on videotape. Um. So here's what's Olvia come to do, is he? Oh, oh yes, so. All right, I'm going. Doesn't he say that? Yeah. He Now, Jarvik is is what Andrew Burt is called in uh, in uh, The Harvest of Kairos. Sexy garage mechanic, Jarvik. Uh, uh, and this is quite funny as because they talk in the documentary of, uh, of they've got these veneer masks which are excellent they're a great design again very sort of medieval knight looking but but in order to be heard through them they have to lift the visors up because because otherwise they'd sound really muffled um which sort of defeats the other it's a bit like in these covid times people who have masks on and wear them around their chin or, or above their eyes so they're, they're in this they're in this plague hole they've got this protective armor but every time they speak to each other or have to see the the, the plague characters their carriers they're herding about uh, they have to lift their their protective helmet up i i'm yeah so so poor old Turlow and Teagan. I now I'm surprised because I thought Turlow and Teagan spent all of episodes two and three in the uh, in in the you know in the ducts uh, and on film uh, shot by Remy Adfarazin. Yes, who um, he's, oh he shot all sorts of things, hasn't he? Elizabeth didn't he do that? And, and Johnny English. Uh, oh, um, didn't he shoot Band of Brothers? I mean, he's an excellent uh, film cameraman. Um, but I, I, I thought I thought they they spent all their time in the ducts. Uh, but no, they spent you know getting a bit sort of bored. But actually, they send some of it bored sitting on steps as well. Um, so I did the story a disservice when I said it's lots of people walking up and down steps. Sometimes people sit on them too. Um, oh yes, the story comes alive every time Peter Benson wanders in. I seem to recall because he's only done. It's only done the, the one bit in episode two, but I, I seem to enjoy remember enjoying it. It's a nice makeup too, the the burning on his face. He he has a sort of old fashioned Doctor Who like quality about him. I'm surprised they didn't see him. He's not unlike David Fielder, actually, who they saw for, for Doctor Number Seven. Um I, I did. I, did I say I had lunch with him at Kensington? I think I did because he he used to hang. I, I I was doing a play, and yeah, one of the casts knew Peter Benson, and she said, "Have you been in Doctor Who?" And he said, "Yes." And she said, "Will you have lunch with this young man? Because he'd probably love to talk to you." So I had lunch with Peter Benson, and I don't remember much of what we, he said to me. It was I know it was a lovely lunch, and he was very chatty and jolly and i remember we had spaghetti with tomato sauce in the cafe of this open air theater but i don't actually remember the content uh so so really he's just a sort of notch on my bedpost really rather than somebody 
whose uh, whose knowledge and experience benefited me. But uh, I think that happens more and more. And I, and I don't have the excuse that I have with some actors I later, um, get, uh, you know, got to, got to spend some time with. I had some right old times with Bernard Kay, who unfortunately I remember very little of because we because he because he could drink a lot and uh, well we but yeah, and as me too. But I but. Uh, Although I survived the level of drinking, my memory of the night did not. But I don't have that excuse with uh, Peter Benson. I was young and sober as a judge. Um, but he used to... I know he was mates with uh, this... Ah, that you'd want to seat at that table. Because uh, I think there's a, a group of them that used to, used to all sort of uh, meet up in um, Kensington. And it's Peter Benson... John Gorry, the director of the Keys of Marinus, Vernon Dobchev, the scientist, uh, the, the scientist from the War Games, and also the patron saint of the acting profession, and a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, uh, Damon from Ark of Infinity, um, Paul Greenhalgh, who was the second guardian in the Ark. Uh, is that is that that? But I, so I think there was that. I think they're all a a, a a bunch of bunch who'd all all meet up and chat. You'd want to be a fly on that wall, wouldn't you? Um, and of course, he became famous for 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 being in Heartbeat uh, later. But uh, I I that I love the sort of um, slightly quizzical, sort of forlorn thing that he's got going on, and mm, that little mm, sort of pause that he gives it to show that he's slightly off kilter. Oh, I, I, lo I love his every intonation. It's 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 very fresh, and he's not sending. Although he's you know he's undercutting the drama when he's talking about the engines exploding. He's not he's not giving it the sort of welly that you need if you were doing the sort of dramatic thing with it. But he he he, he do, he's not undermining it at all. He's taking it very very seriously. He's just a very offbeat um, sort of performer who brings that slightly uh, <laughs> credulous, wonderful, uh, benign energy to it. Uh, it's so lovely. Um, and I, 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 I'd sort of like that you and we, we get fed little bits about, about these people, but there's some nice aerial shots here too um it's so hard doing a fight in the studio though i mean they do their best john waller was a very good fight director um uh but but yes yeah, so look this is andrew burt has to do a lot of selling this um uh, uh, you, you, oh and i do feel sorry for boar's wall um uh, but but Andrew Andrew has to do that thing there where your, your arms get pushed up slightly and that means you're really badly injured. I'm not sure I've ever been injured by by that. And I'm I'm sure it's not the only time. I thought well he had the thing in episode two, didn't he? Where Lissa sort of shoved him with a with with, with a the flat of her hand and he had to sort of fall backwards and, and really sort of sell it. And uh, I feel a bit sorry for him because Andrew Burt was a was a very good actor. Um, uh, and, and he has to do lots of overreacting to uh, not too much external stimulus. Oh, he's going to get beaten up by Dominic Gard later as well, isn't he? Um, the, so the the Garm's coming. I quite like the Garm. He's an unfortunate shape. 
but I think he's got a very sweet face. Uh, and it's nice to have a benign monster, as it were. But um, it's it's great watching. It's it's great hearing Stephen Gallagher in, in the documentary going, I thought it would be this sort of shape in the darkness with sort of glowing eyes and, and that, that was it. I didn't know it would be what it is, which is a... Uh, a, a, a man who is both large in height and girth, um, uh, but I do like I do like his face. I do like the Garm's face. It's just that it's just the eyes that uh, uh, actually stop it being real in trying to give it some illumination. Um, but I I like he's he's got a slightly sort of benign thing going on as well. The way he just sort of looks rather sweetly and then carries on. Um, does 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 Lisa Goddard actually do anything from now on apart from ask the doctor questions? Because um, I, 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 I know they rather optimistically offered the part to Twiggy, um, uh, but I because because she starts off as this sort of space piratey thing, but I think she's just there. I'm not sure she. I'm going to be interested to see if she has any lines that actually that are actually lines that aren't just sort of what's happening and what are you doing now. Because uh, I'm not sure I remember her doing an awful lot. And poor old Dominic Gard just has to follow Nissa about like a sad teenager who's slightly upset his plague-ridden girlfriend's not... <laughs> keeps keeps getting on the bus. Um, wh wh why, did, why did Turlo step on every step then? Uh, it's, it's quite a small... This, the step acting on this. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts... There's sitting on the steps. There's walking slowly down the steps. There, Turlo could have if he was in a real hurry have leapt up two or three steps at a time but no he made sure every step got got then um it's i also think it's very brave putting putting a character called boar in this story <laughs> yeah the pilot of terminus is it's a, oh yes there's a there's a sort of skeletal chap isn't there but um, that is great. That is a great burn makeup. Um, uh, oh, and, and it's. Oh, that's not for any. Oh, that's a good line. That's an excellent line. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yes, and they and they can't waste the hydromel on somebody who might be dead. Oh, there's a nice shadow, shadow there on the uh, on the very grey wall. Um, I was very excited to hear the Black Guardian. I mean, he does have a magnificent voice. Um, and, of course, he's the voice of Deep Thought in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and we had the record of that. So, uh, you know, having Deep Thought uh, in, uh, in, you know, the fact that he was Deep Thought and he was the Black Guardian. Uh, and it is an amazing voice. I mean, uh, honey steeped in treacle, steeped in gravel and marinated in pipe tobacco uh, and you know honed on the British stage uh, I love it because he's in uh, he's in uh, he's burgundy isn't he in uh, Olivier's Henry V so uh, a real old stager oh oh so yeah so the the, the black guardian has has spoken in riddles to 
to to Turlo. Um, I assume that's to prove to himself, the Black Guardian, that that, that Turlo is actually worth having employed, so that he doesn't tell it have to tell him what to do. But it does that it does seem to spend a lot of his time going. I'll give you one more chance. Until he goes, oh please, I promise I'll do it next time. Um, and of course, because Turlo wants to kill the Doctor, the only way to have him not kill the Doctor is is either keep trying to kill the Doctor and fail, or uh, be separated from the Doctor. Um, so, uh, so uh, they have to keep them apart, and that's 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 reasonable. And and the characters all splitting up is uh, is. Uh, you know, you know, part and parcel of uh, what we do with Doc Two. So she said, "So, that's uh, what you're getting at." Yeah, she's not being given an awful lot of meaty stuff, is she, poor Lisa Goddard? Um, I like the image of the uh, of the of the dead astronaut. Uh, you know, the dead dead pilot. And this is where the story, you know, takes an interesting turn. You don't. You, this element of the story sort of comes out of of nowhere. You know, the engines are. Are broken, but suddenly we're going. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Big Bang. Uh, oh, she got to say the Big Bang. Uh, and this is a nice idea of going. Oh, so something we think of as a, um, you know, an entirely natural thing is well, well, well why? What well, Doctor is responsible for the Great Fire of London? Why can't it be responsible for a slightly bigger and more important fire? Um, But uh, but if but I I'm 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 not sure. Am I being thick? I so I've got I think I've got the thing about how terminus works out. Excuse, but if if he time jumped it forward, having dumped the fuel, does that mean he he travelled backward to? dump the fuel i'm not entirely sure wh where where terminus comes from and where its time is is that me being thick because it's obviously from a time when they've got this company and the veneer and all that sort of thing so it doesn't just willy-nilly travel in time but it it can if it needs to and you sort of think well if you if i mean if you can travel in time do you really need to be a a not very good hospital run by slaves. Couldn't you do all sorts of things? Anyway, I don't know. Perhaps I'm being thick. Um, what's happening? Oh, poor old Lisa Goddard is is yeah. She's uh, she's not getting the the meatiest stuff, is she? But I, I like the lights going on and off and flashing. So the story is now the story is now um, you know the the the, the jeopardy's uh, really been heightened. Uh, Oh, and I like the little bits of dust on the on the switch. So I think that was a, a really good episode. I think that was very exciting. Um, uh, I love Boar. Um, I love the fact that uh, the story has taken this really strange left turn and gone. Oh yeah, it's not just about this dodgy plague ship. Uh, it's uh, it's about a series of events that uh, you know started and could end uh, the universe, which uh, which are. Uh, as I say, you, you're not really expecting, um, and you know it's it's it, it started to move a bit. Um, so uh, I have to choose a favourite thing, and oh, and I have to go back to school. So that was it. That was all my Doctor Who for that year. 
Oh. Um. <laughs> so, uh. So, um. I think I got a good episode. I think I got a good episode. That's certainly the best episode of, of, of Terminus so far. I really enjoyed that. Um. I thought that was quite a ride. So, I think that's going to go to the menu. So, I have to choose a thing and I think I'm going to play tactically because I think there's no way you cannot choose Peter Benson as Boar and if I don't choose him now uh, Lawrence Clark my guest comedian Lawrence Clark might and if he chooses him next time well that's okay because I get the point next time Whereas if he chooses him this time and I don't, I don't get the point. So I am going to choose Peter Benson's boar. I think it's a he's a lovely character. I think he's even more lovely because of the casting, uh, which on its own is very, very good. But then, you know, he 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 does what you would hope an idiosyncratic actor uh, like Peter Benson would do. Uh, and I think he's pitch perfect and really watchable. Um, and you and you like it every time he turns up. So I'm choosing Peter Benson as Boar as my thing for part three. Part three, um, I think the highlight for me is the fake human figure, which obviously makes out of the old cloaks again for no apparent reason. I don't know why. He wants to fool people into thinking that he's still standing there. Um, I, I look absolutely nothing like a person, but it's still full cigarettes. Um, I also love Peter Benson and this whole thing. It's bore because there just aren't enough cigars in Doctor Who. And I think uh, amongst... A cast of, let's face it, some quite bland characters. Um, he, he really stands out. So, yeah, I love Boar. Uh, so, Lawrence chose two things there, but I think one of them he was being cheeky about, which I didn't even talk about, which was the, the yes, the, the fake uh, mannequin uh, set up by uh, uh, Olvia to just slightly annoy anybody uh, who was um, yeah, p p p partially sighted uh, and had, you know, and, and didn't bother to check that that thing that doesn't look like a person isn't a person. It's a funny old, uh, it's a funny old beat in the story. Um, but yes, he chose Peter Bohr. Hey, Peter Bohr, Peter Benson. He chose Peter Benson. So that's a point for me, which means that uh, if I get both of Lawrence's next two things and I'm sort of kicking myself because I should have gone for the skirt in part two rather than Olvia's boots um, uh, but I, then I, I'm not sure how I would have felt about choosing the skirt in part two but it is the, probably the most memorable moment of, of the episode anyway done now can't do anything about it so uh, that is part three which is a victory for me appropriate that the episode that I was allowed to watch all those years ago is the one that came through for me again 
Uh, and it is in fact coming through for me in the story because I think the story's really picked up and there's quite a lot going on. Uh, and, you know, the stakes are really high now. Uh, so let's see what happens uh, in part four, where if we're not careful, it's the end of the world, boys. Uh... And so welcome to part four of Terminus. My thanks to Lawrence Clark, the comedian, uh, writer. He's a great uh, campaigner for disability representation in the arts. Um, I've known him for a long time, since before I got with my partner, who is also uh, uh, you know, a big campaigner for disability representation in the arts. So let's have a, uh, a nod for that while we're here. Still a lot of work to do. Um, but let's go to see... If there is a cure for Terminus. And we're on part four. And I'm going to press, I'm on the episode selection menu. And I'm going to press enter in three, two, one. Here we go. Um, so poor old Terminus. And of course, I, I've tried to accentuate the positive. Um, but I can... I, and I, you know, and it's one of those stories that is is, is bursting with ideas, um, and actually there's potential in all of the characters as well. Uh, but I think it it clearly was really scuppered by. I mean, did they? I think they lost a. They had to do a remount day, um, so they lost a lot of time, and and that's you know that's how these things are shot, so blooming quickly anyway. I, I mean. I, Considering the things that they had to do, um, this really picked. That's a great pacey start with the explosion and the flashing lights and the the judder, the judder. I think it perhaps needed a bit more judder in the earlier episodes, um, you know, to give a sense that this was a spaceship that was alive and that was failing and the bits were, you know, going wrong elsewhere. I think it could have been a, done with a bit of that as people were walking up and down the stairs. Uh, I texted a friend of mine. Uh, yeah, they said, I'm, I'm watching Terminus. It just seems to be a lot of people, glum people, walking up and down stairs. He said, you should do a series of, of one-line story descriptions like that. Um, I like the I like the inexorable of the of the of the uh, of of the switch. It's a very Doctor Who thing, that isn't it, to accuse people of being spies. Um, uh, it's a very stagey fight. Um, uh, but that's oh, that's good. I like that. Oh, and I like the way that. Dominic Guard leaps before thwacking him on the back. That's a nice bit of fighting. And that's a lovely that's a lovely high shot. Except unfortunately Paul Dominic Guard has to do what you would do on stage, which is look at Andrew Burt until he knows clocks in the back of his skull that the garm's out of the way, then turn to see where Nissa was and go, Oh no, Nissa, without then looking to see where she might have gone. Uh, uh, and he's not helped by actually the, the 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 attractive camera angle that that is shot with that that sort of slightly high that's and that's a nice high angled shot but unfortunately it then exposes that he's he, he he just needs to turn his head to the left to to, to <laughs> rather than stare at where Nissa was because the last thing you do when uh, looking for somebody is look at the one place that they're not but there we go so, so that that I think is an example of. Uh, you know, a production that's, you know, that's having to, to be captured at a bit of a lick. Um, and I feel sorry for Mary Ridge that this was her only, this was her only Doctor Who. Um, 
Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah. Because, of course, now, nowadays you'd be able to sort of have some shimmer around those engines to, to give a real sense of the, you know, the radiation crackling around it. Um, and I like, I like all of this, isn't he? He says, were you with Colonel Pereira, the chief? Uh, uh, yay, Colonel Pereira. Oh, God. One of the great unseen Doctor Who characters. So I, I, I like all this sort of feeding of the, the, the backstory in. I, 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 I could do with more of a sense. I, you know, I, 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 well, actually, no, I, I like it when, when you get just little crumbs of a life outside or before the the show oh and this is the explanation you know we're we're slaves and we depend on hydrobel which i think is a cracking idea the idea that they're doing a dirty job um and and the reason that they therefore don't do it very well um or, or particularly caringly is that they themselves are are diseased in a way they you know they are addicted to a substance so basically they're drug addicts uh, and i and i think that's uh an intelligent and a and a, and a winning concept. I like that a bit more of that. I we could have maybe done with a bit because this is the only this is the first time we found this out. So we've been with we've been with the Vanier for a couple of episodes, not quite knowing um, uh, explicitly. I mean, they've you know they've, uh, they've they've told us that they need the hydromel, but that's that's the first time we've had it sort of explicitly stated what it is. Um, only. He's just pretending, isn't he? I see. Oh, because he's got his stick. So he, yeah, very good. Sneaky. Uh, he will be able to get the gun because he's got his, because he's got his stick. I like that. I don't know how radiation works though, because that means the gun will be covered in radiation. Um, but he could. I don't know. Oh yes, and he holds the gun like an expert, and that, and and that's quite a nice dynamic that in this little civilization or this this office environment that they have uh having a gun suddenly gives him power suddenly gives him uh one-upmanship over Iraq. um oh we're out oh, so we're back in the beautifully shot uh we're back in the beautifully shot ventilation corridors which thoughtfully have the tannoy system in them as well or it's just very loud and you can hear it wherever you are on the ship but look, look how great film is. Just just the grill, just the shadows of the grill make it look really fabulous. Uh, and the quality of film is so beautiful, isn't it? Uh, so, uh, yeah, <sighs> stairs again. Um, come on, run, 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 run. Come on, this is dramatic. Um, sorry, I got annoyed then, but <laughs> but that's the problem because the stairs have got sort of griddles on them. She's got high heels on. Uh, it's all that sort of staging. It's the physical staging that's really hard when you're doing multi-camera because you can't you can't sort of you can't lop off any maneuvers to tighten them up in a way that you would on on film. Uh, and and I'm you know I'm not undermining how hard it is. Um, again, I'm a bit thick. Why, why, I, I don't understand why the doors appear. Uh, should I know why the doors appear? Um, I'm, I normally think I'm pretty good on what Doctor Who stories are about, and I've, you know, I've seen them a lot. But there are, there are bits of this I'm not quite sure I understand. Um, 
and that's the and that's the so yeah so the and the the, the skull means that they can go on to the TARDIS that thumping of the console isn't what aborted the I, it's difficult because I'm talking through this Stephen Schapansky said I should watch uh, uh, these, these with the subtitles on because then I would be able to give a better account um, oh poor old Nissa. it's very brave actually to give her give her the disease and actually because of yeah I, I keep forgetting this is her her last story and they set her up as this sort of scientist don't they and uh and and it's it's a, i think it's a much more interesting choice than just have a sort of marry somebody off but it, 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 well we'll see what happens when it when, when we get to it i like the i like this i buy the switch i think the switch is nice and strong that the bending of the the bending of the the metal bar works and this is where the garm comes into it which is very nice um Lisa, I don't think any of Lisa Goddard's lines are more than two sentences. So good for her for uh, for doing it. Uh, that's not yeah, it's not quite the deal, Turlo. Although Mark Strickson is give it, giving it admirable zeal. Um, what's he gonna? Oh, oh, yeah. This is where you think he's killed Turlo. Uh, and then at the end he's fine I seem to recall <laughs> uh, and it's just a, that was your final warning I'll kill him next time I promise I know but we'll have this conversation a fair bit uh, perfectly uh, no not a clue something like some will die and most survive but um, yeah, <laughs> can you understand me? I think the boot is on the other foot. Um, follow me. Okay, but I certainly didn't understand his really important line. Um, but I, 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 I do think the garm is very sweet. Oh, yay, boar. Yes, because it's, it's interesting because we sort of have to take Boar's word for this. Uh, so we we first see him sort of going, the reading is still climbing, and he sort of wanders into the Forbidden Zone. So it's interesting that we don't see him find the information in the computer. Uh, and and when, when, there's, when there's quite a lot of stuff that goes up, but Stephen Gallagher said a really good thing in the documentary where he said, is it the writer's job to make it, easy or is it the writer's job to put the story down and 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 for everybody who's making it to rise to the challenge and i you know and i i i i think i mean i think he is a really really good writer and i think and i think his instincts are correct uh in that you don't you do, you don't you don't pander to write the easy option um because then you get you're all you're you're always going to get something quite pedestrian, whereas he's gone. You know he's he he goes for the harder option, um, and that if it when it pays off like it certainly does in in spades in in Warrior's Gate, you get something uh, amazing, and when it doesn't quite pay off in this, 
you know, I think that the writing is still intriguing and the setup is still intriguing. It's just, uh, uh, it's just that the the action uh, is, uh, you know, you can imagine. Can you imagine this in sort of, you know, dark, gloomy corridors and dripping, and rusty, and you know, shuddering ship and bits of steel. You know, imagine it on the set of Alien. I know. I know Doctor couldn't Doctor Who couldn't do Alien, but I think that's what. And, and see the guy on there with just the eyes, way. But now you can see him. He's he's a walking dog. Uh, <laughs> oh, but I like him. Um, and credit to Davison. Um, oh, and I like the fact that the Garm is so so honest. Uh, and just goes, no, you don't have to lie to me. And it's quite shaming of the doctor there, really, because you, know, you don't have to force me or lie to me to do it. I, you know, I, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, but Davison is strangely underused in this. He hasn't... Nobody's quite had enough to do. Um, it's interesting. Is it interesting? No, I say it's interesting when I don't have anything to say. That is a tick of mine, and I shall be honest about it. Uh, yeah, so I actually I was a bit... In episode two, when I sort of said, oh, you know, it's a flawed system having this, this cure that doesn't work. It's the cure doesn't work. I don't know who this guy is um, that, that, that they're holding. Um I've got to show you my face in order to talk. Uh, right, so they're assuming this guy we've never seen before took the signal box. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, uh, but yes, I was... Uh, the, 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 the idea that, you know, this is a perfectly good system, if only it was done properly, um, you know, is absolutely perfectly right and plausible. It's a... It's a it's a system that through sort of mismanagement and unkindness, it's an unkind world, the world of Terminus, through, uh, 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 and because of the slavery element, because the Garm is a slave, because the Veneer are slaves, n nobody really gets the best out of anybody, and, and, uh, and, and the end result is, 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 is muddled. Um, whereas if they do it properly, and, you know, just a bit of admin is all you need, just a bit of administrative competence, and treat your work as well, and... Uh, and your old uh, your old cure box uh, will uh, will be much more efficient. We've finally got some camera shake, which is light and the, nice, and the lights are down, which is nice. Uh, and I like the Garm the Garm getting his sort of his his moment in the sun. Um, I'm, I'm st still waiting for Lisa Goddard to get. She so she, she hasn't really got a story arc, has she, Lisa Goddard? Um, it's Lisa Goddard. I know who um, was, of course, married to Colin Baker and Alvin Stardust. Uh, it's working. Yeah, these. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to imagine the part on paper because I think she's good, but it's only because I've had to sort of think about it. I think she doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't really have a sort of through story. At least Dom, Dominic Gard's got his sister. Didn't his sister have the Lazar disease? And I like this. I think this is sweet that the doctor is nice to the Garm and the Garm asks for his freedom. Set me free. Oh, I like that. 
I like that, and that the monster isn't a monster. And, and I know Stephen Gallagher wanted him to be the sort of the dog at the gates of hell. That's a that's a quite a Norse. Uh, uh, well, there's a, it's a, it's a recurring um, piece of imagery throughout various mythologies. But of course, the veneer come from Norse mythology as well. Rest. That's a very Fifth Doctor word to say to a to say to a, a creature. Rest. Ah. And I like and 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 I think there's a cut back here, isn't there? Yeah, there's the broken box then. Yeah, and then he does a little look. Ah, oh, I, I mean, you know, he's got no facial expression at all, but the camera angle and the little bit of the movement, I, I think all that worked. Now they just look like they're sort of backstage somewhere, it's like they're backstage at the old Vic. Uh, <laughs> oh, a little bit of a sort of walk to camera thing for Andrew Burt there. Um, but yeah, this does does really look like they're in the wings. <laughs> but the lights are nice and down, which is good. Um, this is Terminus, no one's happy here. I mean, yeah, that's the story in a nutshell. Um, he's good at the... He's, he's free. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Freeze. <laughs> yeah, okay. She doesn't have any great speeches or a character arc, but she does get to point a laser gun and say freeze. That's when you sign on the dotted line. Uh, and good old it's i think it's a really positive thing that they do with nissa when when i mean it's it, it still sort of i i think comes out of nowhere um but because companions you know could be perfectly happy at the end of the story before and then this is when your contract's up off you go whereas i think stuff gets seeded a bit more now um there's there's, there's 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 far less character continuity as it were over the over the seasons and i do, i don't mind that it's, it's i don't, don't think one's better or worse really um uh you know i like i like the fact that doctor who is about new worlds i i, I, I was hoping for something rather better on the other side <laughs> i love that and actually i used that in my in memoriam video uh for the year that uh, that Peter Benson and Andrew Burt and John Waller all all went the same year, um, which was what, a couple of years ago, yeah. Um, but yes, I think it's I think it's very bold giving Nissa this very proactive, you know, she she comes she's the one that comes up with the solution for 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 how this should be done, um, and then she makes the big sacrifice, and and. Uh, Valgard looked like he was the sort of bad guy, but actually, he was—he was, you know, he was the one that was sort of bucking the system, uh, and not because he's necessarily been well. No, he is. He's—I suppose—he's sort of nicer than Arak, isn't it? We're, we're, you know, we're supposed to see that as a victory that—that that he's won. But he's a—you know—he's not a—he's—he's he's by no means a, an angel, uh, and I quite like that—that that, that it's a sort of rough and. And, and ready character that's that's the the sort of the heroic one of the veneer they are you know they they come from quite a uh a, a, a grubby and morally compromised place that these aren't you know not everything's pretty um i love how she can tell what it is just by looking at it uh, <laughs> uh it's yes it's it's these drugs you can have and they will also be the lighting system on the planet frontios in the future uh 
and that's that's a nice thought to the outside world because you think why would why why wouldn't the company do it um oh doesn't he have to do a bit of i think he has to do yes i think he does a good job with this because it's it's hard um to do the yeah i'm with you yeah it's a kind of because he needs to punctuate the scene it's a shame that he, he almost walks into the wall as he leaves um but i th i think he does a decent job of that it's a slightly pony uh, uh phony uh, ask and i think he does it well um oh and i really like the way that uh dominic guard does the kind of no oh, I'll, I'll shoot it and she's like oh, you big wet lettuce um but I, I like the way he does it he's very pretty isn't he um, and I do like his hair and the headband. I like that whole look. Um, and he and his brother Christopher are voices in the in the Lord of the Rings uh, animation, the Ralph Bakshi one, aren't they? And I think they were also... Were they both in A Woman of Substance? With Jenny Seagrove uh, and Liam Neeson? Oh, Christopher Gard definitely was. Um, and... Uh, Martin Potter was married to uh, Susie Blake. According to IMDb, he is still married to Susie Blake uh, of Victoria Wood, as seen on TV fame. And they haven't been married for a long time. Just goes to show you shouldn't always believe most of what you read on IMDb. Uh, it is just updated by people. And actually, even if you know what you're talking about, you try to change it. They sometimes don't let you. But... Uh, Susie Blake has not been married to Mar Marty Potter for a very long time. She is actually now married to the son of uh, the actor Victor Platt, uh, who played a policeman in Quatermass in the Pit. Um, I'm about to. Is that is, is that about the longest line she's had all episode? I'm about to. But she invests it with a nice little energy. Um, oh, <laughs> of course. How's... Has Tegan been t partying? She suddenly got... She, I love that bit. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that. It needs more of that. That Say you're pleased to see her. It's absolutely fantastic. The, I wish Nissa and the Doctor had more moments like that. You can see what Peter Davison means when he says uh, he, he wished he'd had sort of more to do with, with Nissa because that Doctor telly you're pleased to see her is terrific. <laughs> I think that might be my favourite bit. Um And and I like the philosophy behind this, you know. Yeah, don't. You, you, he was doing it before because you told him he had to, and because he had a box. Now just ask him nicely. He's a good dog. Um, and I've and I've and, and I sort of feel the same about 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 Terminus. As I've 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 really wanted to, I've really wanted to champion this because I like the underdog or the the undergarm. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, but this and this is this is really nice. I mean, I mean, it's appropriate. It takes place at the bottom of some stairs with everyone being glum. <laughs> you, they could have done a lot of symbolism where people were happy when they're at the top of the stairs and sad at the bottom of them. Um, this is this is excellent. The 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 the, the reprise of Nissa's theme from Keeper of Traken, which is a beautiful piece of music. Uh, and I like the way the doctor goes to shake her hand and she gives him a kiss. Uh, uh, there's real emotion there from Sarah Sutton. Uh, and, and you know, they're not afraid of saying, but this is going to be, this is going to be really hard. And do you want some clothes? Um, and, 
yeah, Davis, Davison selling it all there. You would, you would hope that's not the goodbye. You would hope they come to the TARDIS and she packs a bag. And uh, it's a very Doctor Who thing. Is I'm leaving, so I'm going to say goodbye in the set I'm standing in, and we'll just go our separate ways now. Um, but I think it ends here, doesn't it? With with the the Black Guardian shouting at Turlo. So I like to think that's not the last that. That's, that Nissa and the Doctor see of each other and that and she comes and pats a bag and goes, yeah, I'll, I'll still surf Terminus in more than my underwear. Um, oh, there's a skirt lying around, so you can have that as well. Um, and Dolby will go, yeah, and I, I bundled up some, some, some uh, a cloak to make it look like a man. You could use that too. Um, and I love this because we've seen the Black Guardian only on the, the TARDIS scanner. I like the fact he's suddenly in clear... You know, and and the, and you know, it goes really close. You can make out uh, make out the hair sticking out of his nose. Uh, but I like that because uh, he's such a striking image, and he's you know not not many actors I think can get away with looking right down at the camera. Uh, and uh, and he do, he does it. He's got such a dem- demonic aspect. I think that's re- that's and it's quite shocking because he's been uh, slightly sort of ephemeral on the on the scanner to suddenly have him you know crystal clear and you know as close as you can go. Uh, that's a great way to end the story. Um, so I yeah so I'm sorry if I was a bit thick and didn't pick up all of what the didn't quite follow everything of the story, which I hope is unusual um, for me. Um, and 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 I'm sorry if I was perhaps a bit. Uh, top heavy with the criticism early on but I'd, I'd really expected to struggle with episode one because I'd remembered the first time that I'd I'd, I'd struggled not the first time the, the time I watched it um, uh, you know in the week of Rose um, oh and I did it for running through corridors as well I'd forgotten about that um, but you will have to read about that when the book comes out which will be in about forever um, but uh and I, yeah, and I remember just uh, not having an awful lot to say about it. So I hope I had some interesting things to say about it, even if it was only the fact that Martin Potter isn't married to Susie Blake anymore, <laughs> so that you can update your social diaries. Uh, I've got to choose two things. Well, Nissa's leaving scene, obviously. Um, and I suppose that includes uh, Dr. Teller, you're pleased to see her, which I think is terrific. Um and I suppose, I suppose the idea of of the, the the slavery of the of the Vanir, which I think is an interesting dynamic, when Doctor Who stories often follow a very similar template. I think having something like that in it that is that 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 comes from slightly left field and is and is unique to this story or particular to this story that just that it does you know it does help the, the the plot a little bit. It helps it's the little bit of the world building. Um, you know that, and, and Doctor Who's interesting if it's taking you to you know to different places and interest, inter- introducing you to different structures and civilizations and that sort of thing. I think it's that. I'd like to say the Garm, but I, you know, I, I know I'm being overly kind when I'm being nice about the Garm. I just think he's quite sweet. Um, you know, I, I know if I showed that to any of my friends, they'd laugh me out of the room. So uh, I have to be careful. Um, uh. And I and I suppose I like you know I don't really know enough about it, but I like the fact that Stephen Gallagher, you know, brings in elements of Norse mythology, and you know he's he's ambitious. Uh, he you know he wants to grapple with 
big concepts and big ideas and 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 and, and shovel them into Doctor Who, uh, and uh, and I I enjoy that ambition. I like his I like his writing and I, I and I like his appreciation of what the possibilities of Doctor Who can be. Um, and if you ever get the opportunity to hear an interview with him, I, th- I haven't listened to it this time round, but I remember on the the commentary for this, him really sort of pitching in and and almost acting like a moderator and keeping things going and 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 uh, and, and bringing perspectives. He's obviously, done a bit of his homework, not just about his stuff. He doesn't just talk about himself. He's found out a bit about the actors and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, and that's a that's a sign of him, really. I think I, I've I've only met him the once. Um, but I really enjoyed his company, and uh, uh, and uh, yeah, he he came yeah he came over to to meet me here in Manchester, which was very nice of him. Um, and uh, he's you know he's a really he's a really warm and engaged and enthused guy, and he likes Quatermass. Uh, so do I say Stephen Gallagher is my thing? But I don't know if I don't know if that's cheating. And I don't know if... Yeah, no, damn it, it's my podcast. I'm going to say Sarah Sutton, Nissa's leaving scene, which includes the... Oh, and also, because I was talking about Janet Fielding in that last scene, I don't know if she's not been to a disco the night before because she has... She has... I've been out till three o'clock in the morning... Uh, and I've thrown all of this on and got to the studio throat. She she sounds like she's been on been on a bit of a rave at a at a at a few fags outside a nightclub at three a.m. and uh, uh, and perhaps had a glass of wine before bedtime because uh, doctor she's she's very throaty in that that in the in those final moments of part four. Um, I so Nissa's leaving scene, and I'm going to say Stephen Gallagher. I like what he brings to Doctor Who. I'd have liked to have seen him do more Doctor Who. Um, I like the fact that he still engages with Doctor Who. Um, I just like Stephen Gallagher. I just like Stephen Gallagher. Um, and, and you know, so bringing the Norse mythology and bringing, you know, cr- trying to create some sort of interesting system with the Vanir. Uh, those are going to be my two things. I don't think... Uh, Lawrence is going to choose that. I think I might have thrown away what little advantage I bought myself in episode three. Um, but it's nice to acknowledge people you like sometimes. So I'm going to do that. I was never going to win with Terminus anyway, was I? Part four. Um, I guess what I love about part four is that it's one of the few times in the classic series where... A companion feels like they're given a proper send-off. The, the, the whole story is around Mrs. Departure, right from when she's synthesising her enzyme, right at the start, um, which is a clue to what she's going to be doing after Doctor Who. So, yeah, quite unusual for the classic series. She doesn't just decide to go at the end, but there's a proper, a proper send-off. And then, finally, my fifth overall thing to love about Terminus. Uh, I'm going to cheat because it's the DVD cover. What I love about the DVD cover 
it's the fact that they've superimposed, they've superimposed the skull motif over Nissa, so that when I look at it, it looks like she's wearing a large black bra with white furry trim. Although, that could be just me as well. <laughs> oh, Lawrence, you cheat. Uh, I've got the DVD here somewhere. I'm going to look at that cover. Uh, <laughs> well, I was never going to have that, so I'm glad I went for Stephen Gallagher just to tip a hat to somebody I, I admire and like. Um, I'm glad you like the DVD. There are some beautiful DVD covers uh, on the range. I think it's one of the things, as a Doctor Who fan, actually, I think that some of the VHS covers are absolutely stunning as well. Um, uh, I, I think it's one of the things. Some of the the uh, alternate ones you find online as well. Some of the fan artwork and covers that people have done. Doctor Who is such an inspirer of creativity. But the ones we get for the range have been, and the new Blu-ray box sets. Oh my goodness! So there are such, you know, there are such clever people in fandom, all of whom, you know, would probably acknowledge they've been inspired in the things that they do now by Doctor Who. Um, and, you know, yes, there's, you know, the the artwork, the layout and all this, you know, there's not, there's, there's not many people who work on various bits of the Doctor Who range who, who didn't get drawn there because they were fans, um, which is is an extraordinary thing. You know, I don't think you get that with, with, uh, with many other, um, you know, commercial releases of stuff where the, the people in charge of the, the you know, a, a, a particular element of it and, and necessarily you know died in the wool fans of something so doctor who has been very much fueled um uh well no we just benefit we just benefit you know doctor who would still be good without without fans but i think I, I certainly as a as a consumer um uh you know get very excited by the fact that uh you know the the dvd cover the trailer the coming next trailer on the dvds and all that sort of thing are done by fans who are also professionals in what they do uh and and produce something that you talk about you go oh, have you seen the cover of that have you seen the, the next time trailer on that which so that every little piece of of a doctor who release uh, is, is a sort of talking point uh which is great because i love talking about doctor who as you can probably tell um lawrence do follow him on twitter and do do follow his uh, facebook page he is an excellent uh, live comedian but he's also done uh, some really thoughtful and funny short films and sketches. Uh, and his stand-up, he does refer to Doctor Who. Um, he's, uh, uh, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm not entirely over the moon about comedians talking about Doctor Who in their sets because that's my turf, biatches. Um, anybody who just takes what I said seriously uh, is... You don't come to any comedian shows ever, um, but it is my turn. Um, but um, uh, so so you know, even he's he's a good comic in his own right. But uh, the fact that he also throws in Doctor Who references sometimes means there's an added bonus for the likes of uh, you and me. Uh, and he's a trailblazer. Um, but there are there are more um, uh, disabled comics emerging on the circuit now, which is a good thing. But uh, Lawrence has been doing it for a very very long time. Uh, and uh, with great skill too, um, and I think is has been somewhat overlooked uh, 
uh, and which which gives the lie to oh god in diversity they just give gigs to any old person just for the sake of diversity well i think lawrence deserves to have had his place in the sun irrespective of the fact uh, that he's a disabled comedian um just because he's a really good co comedian so i would uh, check out his stuff i think you will very much enjoy it and uh, uh, and uh, and I know that Lawrence is, uh, has got some good gigs coming up and is and, and is is making waves in various different media. So uh, uh, I know that we will be seeing more of him, and rightly so. Uh, so I hope we managed to get through. I thought Terminus would be a bumpy ride. It, it, in fact, if anything, it needed more bumps. Uh, I, I think its big problem, which I hadn't I hadn't uh, until I had to sort of talk about it here. Uh, and I know I'm supposed to be accentuating the positive, but I think uh, I think what could have what 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 is responsible for a lot of its bad reputation is that it's very static and very glum. And I think if it had got a little bit more pace and a little bit more sense of this, you know, spaceship that was malfunctioning and shuddering and 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 you know, it's not its fault. It's set in a in a floodlit studio in 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 you know on BBC sets. That's that's Doctor Who. Uh, for, that's Doctor Who anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, it just—I uh, think it just needed a bit of pace and a bit of energy. Needed Graham Harper there on the floor, going, "Come on, everybody, give it a bit of a bit of welly." But I feel sorry for Mary Ridge because it was made under hugely compromised circumstances, and I still think it's interesting. I still think it's beguiling. I still think there's a world there that I don't quite understand. So that's nice because uh, every time I think I watch it, I'll still be—I'll still be searching for things, but not to the extent that I can't follow the story or. I'm baffled by it, but it's 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 still slightly nebulous, um, which is which is interesting, um, and there's plenty to recommend in it. Uh, but for now, it's uh, well, <laughs> I mean, bored. <laughs> I mean, bored did say I, I I was hoping for something rather better on the other side, which everybody turns over to ITV and goes, there is something better on the other side, but not at all. Um, Oh, well, look, thanks for listening. I hope you're all well. I'm getting as throaty as uh, Janet Fielding at the, in the final scenes now. So um, uh, I'm going to stop talking and uh, uh, I'm going to destroy the box and set you free uh, until the next time I take you. I hope to a slightly happier time and place than the grey environs of Terminus. Until then, goodbye. I've been Lawrence Clark. You can find me on Twitter at Lawrence underscore Clark or on Facebook at Lawrence Clark Comedian or my website lawrenceclark.co.uk. Thanks. Thanks very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest this time around is Lawrence Clark, who can be found on Twitter at Lawrence with a U underscore Clark without an E. And at the time of recording these credits for this omnibus version, Lawrence's comedy pilot Perfect will be premiering on the Dave TV channel on August the 26th, 2022, but thereafter it will be available on the UK TV Play app. So check that out. He recorded that, of course, after he did Happy Times and Places, and I like to think as a result of being on it. Uh, congratulations, Lawrence. He's a good guy. Thoroughly deserves it. 
I'm grateful to him and, of course, to the many patrons who make this podcast possible. And they include Ruben Herfindahl, Stephen Moffat, Christopher Joyce, Kevin Murdoch, Stephen, Chris Stokes, Michael Herbert, Gary Thomas and CM. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork Dylan Patterson. And if you would like to be a patron, then you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. Tiers start from as little as £3 per month, and even on that lowest tier, you can get a 10% discount for signing up for a year. And you get pretty much everything available on that lowest tier too, apart from a couple of little trinkets that lure you up the patronage ladder. But the bonus material the exclusive podcasts, the AMAs, all that sort of thing, are available for the minimum fee, which is £3 a month. And there are usually three releases per week. There's also the Kofi option, which is a one-off payment whenever you like, of whatever denomination you like. They pretend it's cups of coffee. I don't actually drink coffee, so uh, I would probably get other stuff with it, like tea. Uh, and that unfortunately does not get you any of the bonus material but it's uh, it's basically a way of chucking a couple of pennies into my hat as you pass if you're feeling flush on that particular day it's the busking version of uh, you know of uh, of podcasting and that's fine by me but look I know times are tough I've just looked at how much a train ticket to London is now compared to what it used to be and you're not guaranteed to actually get a train so um, just listening to these is great but a five-star review and some ratings on the internet would be great. So yeah, Lawrence has got a comedy pilot. Isn't that good news? He's uh, he's a terrific comic and a proper fan. And actually on the Patreon, there's a couple of pictures of a young Lawrence on the set of Terminus, on the TARDIS set with Peter Davison, which is a, a, a joyous thing to behold. And thanks to Lawrence for sharing them with me. It was in those days where you could only, you know, you took photographs and you sent them away and got them back. So I think he's, he's literally got two nowadays. Of course, you'd, uh, you'd fill your phone with them. Anyway, uh, Lawrence has got uh, a comedy pilot, much deserved, and it's called Perfect. And uh, it will hopefully lead to more commissions for this uh, Fabulous writer, good comic too. That's Lawrence Clark, so do check him out. And uh, and uh, I, as I say, I like to think it's because he was in happy times and places um, that uh, you know that good. I mean, I'm I'm talking now as actually as I consider this, two of our guests have sadly since passed away since doing it. So actually, you're more likely to die than you are to get a television program. So perhaps I should just shut up now. <laughs> This this is happy times and places where all the Doctor Who fans come to die.